0: All
1: right.
0: What are we doing? We're, we're doing stuff. How's everybody?
1: Yeah, we're fine. <laughs> yeah. Fine. <And> I... <laughs>
2: language, so. Yeah.
3: Yeah. So did we determine which of the two topics we were going to do?
4: Uh-uh.
0: No. I, that's I assume not, that's the not short do here.
3: I assume the short one because yeah. we've spent like an hour to get started.
2: I think the I
1: think the dice one sounded
2: pretty good. Okay. Okay. Hey, we intro. Yeah. Sorry. Let's
1: let's do this. So you know how we how we usually get on people for talking about dice their dice mechanic for three hours. This is the this is the time that we get to talk about our di- We get to talk about dice mechanics for three hours.
2: Nice. Buckle, buckle up.
0: Yeah. Buckle up because dice mechanics, but not. <laughs> maybe not in the way so okay so what what led me to bring up the idea of talking about dice mechanics as a topic because we haven't one well we haven't really talked about it in a while and i was thinking like maybe we should start revisiting stuff and and see how if our thoughts have changed um that might be something interesting to do and i was thinking about how dice mechanics you know oftentimes i hear the reason for somebody using a particular dice mechanic over another one um come from uh the point of view of solving a problem for the person designing it not for the eventual player one of the things that happened oh fuck i've totally lost all threads that i was i can't look at words when i'm talking
2: apparently (laughs) That's a bad well, thing to do. Well, what, what you said was a good point, because the, the act of, like, where, where most people go wrong is by looking at the dice as a sort of, like, how do I solve this problem and not so much, what does this mean for gameplay? Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's a very easy trap to fall into, because um, when I was starting it with my design, it was very much like a, well, I need a mechanic to see if things work or don't work, Mm -hmm. let's plug in a d20 and and roll with that. And then I developed it from there. But it was very much just like, this is a problem that I need to have solved. And this is a mechanic that I understand how it works. Let's just do that. Um, I didn't investigate what that meant in terms of the implications for Mm -hmm. how the players are going to respond to it. Or does this really work with the design philosophy or anything like that? Right. And,
0: and so that was one of the things I was thinking about in terms of like, you know, how, how people go about choosing, um, choosing dice systems when we, when we Mm -hmm. start writing games and and at what point do we do that? Usually it's, it's somewhere in the beginning and sometimes we come up with the dice system first and build a game around it. You know, I've done that Mm -hmm. there. I'm sure there are other people that have done that. They're like, oh, this would be a cool mechanic or a cool dice system I can envision and let's see what happens if a game is based on it. Um, and yeah,
4: this seems
3: like such an odd thing, though, that people don't tend to consider this early on. Like, that was one of the early things I was considering for mine.
2: Because mm-hmm.
3: it was like, this is basically a large part of essentially the user interface. Like, this is A large part of how the players are going to interact with the game Mm -hmm. so you want to put a lot of thought into this because it's going to affect how they perceive the entire game if you're going to have a game that it's like okay this is very skill based it's not based on luck all that much then your dice mechanic in that sense had better actually feel like you have a great deal of control over controlling, you know, the dice output, not Mm -hmm. just roll and pray. (laughs) Mm
2: -hmm. Right. I think the hard part is that most people aren't attracted to a game based on its dice system. Um, No,
3: they're not, but they they definitely do choose against a game based on its dice system.
2: Right. As long as the theme and ideas of what the game is about still come through in the end, I think that you're fine with starting anywhere. Um, But if you get lost in the idea of like, this is the dice system that I want to use, then it might disagree with the themes that you choose or that you want to design around. So I, I think it's just an easy trap that people fall into and not necessarily that it's a wrong first place to start designing
4: yeah
0: i mean it's it's one you can spend way too much time on though you know it's one of those things where you can be like oh my dice system." i mean you can't i say you me i (laughs) i (laughs) spent way too much time (laughs) i spent way too much time on like a dice system that ultimately i i ended up pitching you know because yeah
1: Yeah, but you can also say it about mark because he has this well, I don't mm-hmm. think he spent too much time. I think his is great. Uh, but, he did, but he did refine things into... Okay, so here's this ridiculous card system where you split a
2: deck of cards into four piles, and... Yes. Welcome to my game. But yeah, even before that, I had a dice system. Um, mm-hmm. And I evolved it from there. And it was just about what the system allowed me to do. And it was hard for me to separate my game from the dice system because I had right. fun with it, but it didn't work for the end concept. Um and I definitely fell into the trap of being like, this is a core part of the game now. This is how I wanted to define praxis. And then to to go back to the drawing board felt like I was leaving half of the game behind, which I was. Um and that's hard.
0: Yeah. Yeah, but also necessary, right? Because like you get to that point where it's like, this isn't doing what I want it to do. Yeah. You know? And I, it's I... like yeah.
4: yeah. Go ahead. Mark.
2: I, I was just gonna say... Yeah, I was just going to say, I uh, had this nice rewarding moment just a, uh, about a week ago because I played Paranoia, um, and mm-hmm. I ran it. And the entire time, I'm just like, oh, man, I want to play Praxis. Like, this is its just nice to know that, like, the, the the nuts and bolts that I put in the game are just like, this is what I want to be playing with, and I couldn't mm-hmm. do that in Paranoia. Um, so it was, it was just fun to see that, like, hey, there's there good mechanics there that came out in the game, and those are the things that i want to be manipulating as the gm and to not have that anymore felt like a loss so yay me but uh <laughs> yeah yay you that's a great feeling yeah. that's really
0: good i mean that's the thing Is like it's a thing that's been making it hard for me to pick up and like run other games lately mm-hmm. it's like because i wanted to I, I wanted to like dig into um forbidden lands which is the like that box is kind of like old schooly box set. It's it's, it's kinda of got an OSR thing, but the mechanics are real, they're they're more modern and and it's a dice pool type thing, and there's a, some nice risk reward going on and some cool exploration. But like I, I I'm reading through the character creation, I'm like, man, this is not how I would do this. Mm-hmm. This is so backwards. And it's like <laughs> you're asking the players to make like so many front-loaded decisions when they're like, Hey, the the point of this game is to explore the world. And you're like, right okay but like you're asking me to make a lot of choices based on knowing nothing mm-hmm. and it's it's just I, I can feel like the critic in me like go like well when my game comes out it'll be so <laughs> great because it'll really rip and it's just like yeah you know what i mean like but yeah. but also i don't want to run it because i can see something i would change immediately Mm-hmm. and and it's frustrating and it's and and it is, in this case it was uh one of the dice things was like i couldn't i couldn't see how it wouldn't be incredibly punishing like as a dice system in a particular area like combats to me look in that game look incredibly punishing i i've, I've run it but like the fact that it looks incredibly punishing makes me not want to sink a Saturday into finding out if it is incredibly punishing. You know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. it it, it gave me enough of a barrier to entry that I don't care. I like the possibility of a really fun emergent dynamic is kind of, I'm kind of saying that's off the table because there's, there's a less than zero chance that this is going to just going to torpedo my afternoon for like me and four other people so Mm -hmm. but the thing is is like but this kind of folds into the point i was making before we started which was like the the emergent mechanics of dice aren't things that you get on the paper and it's like like there may be an an emergent mechanic there that's not um that i can't see just from reading the reading the rules i don't i don't understand like the play dynamics of how the players may make decisions in in this scenario where it looks you know obviously they're going to take risk reward in as a factor so they're not going to say they're not going to make stupid decisions but like mm. the dice system to me looked inc- so punishing that it was like that 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 rolling the dice is like you've already fucked up type thing um yep. and the the mechanic i was talking about prior to this was the call of cthulhu one where like the the d100 system the The granularity of it um, is such that when you make a roll by one or two percentage points, it feels so cool because it's like you just scraped by. And that's not something, like that emergent experience is not something that is attached to dice when we talk about like, should I use this dice system or not? I mean, on some level it is because you want, you're trying to get to a feeling. Mm -hmm. But... I don't know. There's something ineffable going on there, where there's there's player there's you know the 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 players are making decisions in in a feedback loop with the dice mechanic, and it's not obvious what those look like when you read a game. That's the nice point. Can be. And, yeah, it can be like, right.
4: Yeah,
3: like as you're like, you don't know for certain about the game that you were talking about, mm. but as you're reading it. You are again.
4: We lost you. Sort of a sense. We're
2: losing the guy.
4: How
3: this is probably going to play up. I like, do agree there is some urgent game Ooh. like that. You can predict. So if combat, for example, is extremely <laughs> dangerous, like highly, highly lethal, you're not going to try going to combat on a regular basis, usually. Like, if you're going to combat on a regular basis and combat is insanely lethal, then something is wrong with the game, probably. Most likely, the game's probably built in such a way that you're supposed to actually avoid combat. Like, combat means you have screwed up at some point. Mm
4: -hmm. So,
3: like, if you look at, like, a lot of the white wolf games not all of them but a lot of them they're like you're not really supposed to get in a fight with anybody carrying a shotgun because it's like yeah you're a supernatural right. vampire but shotgun to the face is still That's gonna quit in you
2: very strong <laughs> oh, oh yep <laughs> uh yeah until until recently i was playing a game of cortex where a lot of the focus of the rules was on combat. And you quickly realized that you are not supposed to get into combat. Um, It will mess you up. If you are in a fight, someone's probably going to die. And unless you know exactly what you're doing, it's going to be you. Um, And it's Mm -hmm. just interesting that the dice mechanic doesn't necessarily convey that. It's really the experience of playing it in the game, where you're like, oh, this is very lethal. and yeah i think the, how does it, how, does it, how does it deliver on that uh so i played the gm that i had for the game modified it mm-hmm. so i will i will uh okay. preface that but um the way you take actions in the game is that you can continue to push your um your like penalties so you can take mm-hmm. multiple actions but you stack penalties okay um and if you Try to do something defensive it also reduced your your die pool mm-hmm. um so as soon as you're in a two on one situation the first person can waste all their points to decrease your available actions your defensive actions until you right. are at such a penalty that the second person jumps in and just pummels you um or something like this where it's not necessarily clear like looking at the die on a one-on-one you're like oh okay everything should be balanced and fair but then, as soon as you're in those situations, you realize when you're outnumbered, you're in trouble. When you have someone who has a higher skill level than you, you're you're done for. Um, and it's very mm. hard to get an edge in those cases. Mm. Um, the dice aren't swingy enough to be um, accommodating to the underdog winning more often. Yeah,
4: yeah.
2: Riddle of Steel had the same
0: feel to it, where it was like. Mm you either go in with a fictional, uh, like a, a super fictional advantage, like we're not going to let them know we're coming and we're coming with crossbows, and we're just going to knock on the door in the middle of the night and just light them up as right. soon as they answer. Like that kind of advantage. Because if you got mm-hmm. into like a, a stand-up fight, their odds were, mm. <laughs> if something right. went wrong, that was your ass, you know?
4: Mm-hmm.
0: And so it it encouraged a type of gameplay. And that gameplay emerged out of, riddle of steel's dice mechanics in a way that they
2: don't emerge out of D's dice mechanics and it defined the game for you like mm-hmm. that that was the feel that the game evoked because the mechanics were so concise in what they wanted to deliver right and it yeah. fit with the theme of the game concise
4: uh, <laughs> sorry i, I guess the I theme mean, of the game yeah
2: yeah uh, i guess i mean they were in line they were uh convergence i guess as yeah, part of the design of the theme. Theme. yeah yeah they they were they they were correctly
0: they guided the players to think how the game wanted you to think
2: you mm-hmm. know and
0: it was clear that the that this was the game's goal was to get you to do this um, whereas in d and i feel there's that diverges a little bit where i feel like there's a game D&D wants be at the table and then there's the game it actually is and those two frequently diverge either from the gms perspective or the player's perspective
3: you know there are some things about the way DD is set up though that is very much so emergent so for example they want you to fight a bunch of enemies in a row Mm -hmm. that's kind of how it's built in like you know the generic dungeon crawl thing you're supposed to fight like waves and waves of weak not particularly dangerous enemies but that's actually an emergent property of how um, their magic works because you don't regain hit points automatically after combat you don't regain your spells that right. you've memorized, or spell slots in 5th edition, or whatever. If you have spells for, like, healing magic, or your fireballs, or whatever, if you run out of those, that's actually, when you're running on fumes, that's when you actually start to pose a real problem. So, the way d d is actually designed is that each individual fight, if you follow, like, the challenge ratings for the actual monsters they're not actually all that dangerous like an individual fight in d d is not balanced with the assumption that it'll pose a challenge it's that this is supposed to be oh you're going to fight like six groups of monsters right. in a row and by the time you're getting to the sixth group of monsters it's like you don't have any healing spells left now you have a problem right Right, and yeah, as soon,
0: it, it's fundamentally an attrition game, yeah.
3: Yeah, and that's built right into the game's mechanics. It's the only way it can work unless you do the five-minute adventuring day right. where you go into combat for five minutes and then sleep for eight hours.
4: Right. That's yeah, you, the you only way right. that can
3: go. Yeah,
0: it, yeah that's it the is, only I, I wouldn't say it's, it's the only way it can go. I, I would say it strongly incentivizes Players to do that. It's not the only way. I mean, you can. Players can can take the game and then and totally focus on the narrative elements and just leave those the 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 ideas of being constrained by those mechanical elements. The door, if a GM like is permissive of that, I've seen games go really well like that, where it's like, yeah, you can recover a short rest right now, or you can recover a long rest right now. I mean, we don't have to. You know I in some sense it's an elevated level of gentleman's agreement at the table where it's like we're all we're i you know i'm gonna trust you as the player as the gm i'm gonna trust you as the players to not take mechanical advantage where it's not due and you can trust me not to fuck you over without giving you a way out you know i'm not gonna I'm not gonna tpk you randomly right i'm gonna do stuff and you 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 can trust me that I'm not gonna end the story prematurely. That because that's what players are worried about, right? That's that's mm-hmm. the, the the TPK is not a problem if it if it the players one expect it or two um it doesn't end the story. You know if there there are games where that can happen and stuff can carry on and that's a great way to handle it. But but what players really don't want is a premature ending. And you know, well, to take it back to dice, dice systems that can deliver that premature ending, I think, are where a lot of the frustration starts to come in, or experiences of frustration that can. Um, I don't know. That's where what that's where we what uh, deprioritize swinginess.
3: I don't think it's even just the dice, though. I think mm-hmm. one of the biggest things in almost every game that involves a lot of combat. Mm-hmm. Is that they don't really tend to take into account the ability to end combat. Like, running away is almost always extremely heavily penalized in most games. Like, if you're losing a battle, in most games, you're basically, well, we have to kill them faster so that they die before we do. That's generally your only option like the idea of okay we're losing this fight we're going to leave now it's like no that's not an option you can't do that
4: Mm -hmm.
0: yeah either implicitly or explicitly right like players can look at a map and see like oh the kobolds can move 60 i can move 60 there's no there's no logical way for me to get away Hmm. you know and then it becomes they don't they, and then that stops being an option because they don't see how it could work and so they stop in some sense they stop assuming it's possible like even if they um, were to narratively say we all slink away into the darkness or something like that uh and 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 you know they kind of throw up the white flag to the gm and say like we're this is too much we're backing off and you know the kobolds could be like oh, oh and then the gm could narrate that in some way but if they don't trust the GM to do that, then that there's not there's not an option on the table for them. Mm-hmm. You know, if they're if they're making a, pu- a a tactical decision purely based on the mechanics as Dnd usually establishes them, it doesn't it doesn't look like a
2: logical choice. That's fair. One thing I wanted to to jump back to a little bit was what mm-hmm. you had said about um, that like Winning uh, a die roll by a small margin, like when you mm-hmm. have 65% chance to succeed and you roll a 64 and you're like, whoo! Um, yeah. And I think it's really interesting because a lot of um, the more modern philosophies, I think, um, and you can show me examples if, it, if I'm wrong, but they, yeah. they really stratify the different levels of success. Where if yeah. I'm looking at something like the Forged in the Dark or um, Powered by the Apocalypse games, they have specific tiers of what your die rolls mean. Um, even something like Catch of the Chase, Jonathan's game um, had very distinct levels of like what happens when you roll the combinations of dice. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had a smaller die so that you can really define each of the levels very clearly. Um, D and had very much like success, failure, like hit the target. And um, Call of Cthulhu had the same sort of thing: success, failure, and you you roll exactly the number. Um, I mean, that was also success, I think. So mm-hmm. um, it,
3: it does, but it also has different tiers as well, because there is like a standard success, a hard success, and an extreme success. Yeah. So yeah, it does have extra tiers, but I think the it's difference true. there. I think the actual difference is that there's a clear cutoff point which is very explicitly if you reach this number you succeed if you don't reach this number you fail so even in call of cthulhu so if you need a hard success to do something it just changes what the target number is it does not actually give you any real benefit if you get an extreme success
2: Mm -hmm. didn't they have something where if you rolled like zero that you got a critical success as well because D D has the if you roll a 20 it's a crit yeah call, call that that's the extreme success yeah <laughs> in, right. in yeah.
4: fifth
0: edition it was the double odd and then in sixth edition i believe they i think that's when they expanded it out to one f- fifth your percentage rolls so right it would be so like that. you know two percent if above 50 or something like that or if it was right yeah i, I don't remember exactly how the math went out but it doesn't matter um, and yeah. then in the more in seventh edition, they added this uh, hard success, which is half, I think, and then extreme success, which is one fifth. Um, mm-hmm. And then the GM is supposed to call for. So there's two ways it's used, right? So there's one way which I kind of like, where it's the sorry, I
4: just my fucking thing,
0: um, where it's um, you can if you fail a roll, you can re-roll, and you're going for a hard success so you're going for half your number but you get like a second chance to succeed but you're paying like a devil's bargain for it so if you fail like it's really bad or Mm -hmm. you you know some you're you're giving up something to get the reroll. essentially um that's that's something that was with the new edition and then also the idea of the uh the extreme success having like a critical effect um, on any role because i believe in the earlier editions it was only for weapons and it was called impaling um mm. and so uh but the, you know have, having but yeah Kat's right like it's not like powered by the apocalypse where those are different gradations of success into failure or i guess gradations of benefit over concession Whereas right. in in Powered by the Apocalypse and Forces of the Dark, you like you you take something and you give something up. Generally speaking, so yeah. there's a, a, a you know some sort of benefit and concession. And if you really succeed, you don't have to concede anything. And if you really fail, you don't gain anything.
4: Mm-hmm. Um,
2: and I think like a lot of games had that. Like in in a certain mm-hmm. sense, like they were maybe less clearly defined. Or like critical hits, like I said, is is a level of that. Um, and it, it's interesting that. I think what you're getting at with that, like close margin of success, adds color to the game. It adds mm-hmm. like a certain dimension of oh, like you you barely got it. Like you you um, I don't know. It's the same feeling you get when like you, I would describe uh, people missing your armor class by like one number and be like it flings off your armor because that right. was what made the difference or like right, you, right. whatever you took this talent and I want to make it like important to your character. Um, mm-hmm. And, and those are the things that add a little bit of depth to the narrative experience that I think help color the game a little bit more. Um, so if your game doesn't do that, I think that's a great opportunity for the GM or whoever is trying to weave that story to be able to come in and say, what are the, the factors that mix into this? How do you incorporate that? How do you interpret these results to tell a story? and i think that's ultimately the goal of the dice is to be able to drive the story forward by interpretation mm-hmm. um so i think however we yeah of,
3: we kind of did that innately like one of the first basically um essentially mods almost ever was the idea of like critical hits and people you know when you roll significantly over what you actually need. Almost everybody has always, for as long as I've been playing at least 20-ish years or more, have always interpreted it as, okay, you you did an extreme job. You don't just succeed. You extreme excessively well. You get to do everything you set out to do. You did amazingly well. Like, you might even... do better than your wildest dreams if you did extremely well on your roll. Just the fact that you are doing a roll at all means that the outcome of the dice is giving you information that actually flavors what's happening in the narrative, but That was always kind of like mechanically in the past it was usually like a binary pass or fail. And it was purely in the narrative but a lot of GMs tended to add that as a house rule that Mm -hmm. the flavoring wasn't just narrative, it actually became mechanical. Whereas modern games, they've just basically started saying, well we've been doing this anyway. We may as well just quantify it and Mm -hmm. say that yes it is actually mechanically part of the game if you do extremely well in your role you actually do extremely well in your role Mm -hmm. but i do think that because because it's radiated now and the other thing is because we tend to be more forthcoming about the amount that you need to roll whereas it used to be hidden like we used to hide this information from Mm -hmm. the players we didn't get the same effect and as we added one we also added the other at about the same time so this call of cthulhu thing where a you know exactly what you need to roll but b it's a binary state still that's what kind of allows for this perception of just barely making it to happen because if you don't have both halves of that, it doesn't work. Like Mm -hmm. if you don't know what you need to roll to succeed, then you don't get that. Oh, I just barely passed it because you don't know what you needed to roll to pass it. If it's just say, I don't know, just roll, roll, uh, roll to hit. And I will tell you if you made it or not. It doesn't have the same effect. So anyway sorry
0: great right. no that, that no that's absolutely true like the you, those those decisions color the experience like they they, mm-hmm. they make a difference as to, as to what what the end result is for the player yeah and and it's just something if we I don't know it's something I don't hear talked about that I mean that's not that's not really that true I guess I guess, it's how those things emerge and how, as designers, we can sort of harness that to get results that we want on purpose, right? Because ideally, we're designing like a really nice chunk of time for people. Mm-hmm. Like, we're, we're, yeah. we have in our heads this idealized gameplay experience that's a really nice afternoon or evening uh, or
1: morning or late night no- or 2am 5am <laughs> yes. <clears throat> I don't do that anymore but th- that was the start I of- do I know you do <laughs> uh. I,
3: have, I have a game tonight starting at 2am
0: <laughs> bing bang boom <laughs>
1: <laughs> so this the, is what some of
3: your
1: my players point. are German. Well, I just want to say this. Uh, yeah. The 2am game was not when I start was before I started running games online. I just want to be on the record at saying that. Okay, moving on. <laughs> yeah, mine too. <laughs> this is before online games were
0: possible.
3: Uh, it's even so, more oof then. Anyway, sorry. Uh, forgot my
0: point. What was it? What was I saying? Something about... Uh...
1: I don't remember either. I'm sorry. I, You're I'm designing a nice really chunk sorry. of
0: time. Chunks of time.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: You're designing nice chunks of time for people. And you, you, want, you want to give people the tools to make that uh, to make your vision of their experience happen exactly. as consistently as possible. Yeah, I
2: think. I think. I agree. I think a lot of these tools help the GM in particular above Mm -hmm. the players necessarily, because I think the GM is there usually to act as the guide of Mm -hmm. interpreting results or of creating these different outcomes that could potentially create that story. So a lot of these things I think make the job of GMing easier and they, they might not be evident to someone who's not looking at it from a game design perspective. They just contribute to the experience overall. Um, and I think that's, it's enriching. So finding ways to have more color without complexity is really a uh, very fine balance to to mess with. But I think it, like any opportunity that you have to do that will help. Yeah.
0: I think it's, a. I think thinking about it, like, you know, I, it, there's something that, I, I don't know if it bugs me, rubs me the wrong way or something like that for this, the modern the more modern story games suggest use d sixes and that's it. There's something that just hmm. gets up my ass about that, and I can't tell you what exactly it <laughs> is. But, but like, I refuse. I refuse. I'm going with d tens. I'm sticking with it, and d sixes. Heterogeneous dice pool to the end. Oh, oh, heterogeneous. Like, <laughs> see, okay,
3: I on. I think the d six issue but, is just that it, it d six is the dice of normies.
0: Yeah, this, this no, the comp they're they're common though. Anybody can get them. Mm-hmm. There's a really good reason why you use D sixes. There's a really good reason, and the reason is yeah. they're widely available. You can walk into a Seven Eleven and get and get D sixes. Yep. And and because they're widely available, they're saying something about accessibility, right? Mm-hmm. They're they're making yes. a point about. We want these games. These games are tools to be used to have a good time, and we don't want the barriers for entry to be unnecessarily high. We want we want to yes. lower them as much as possible. And I think that's a really that's a fine philosophy to have. um
3: Unless you're playing Shadowrun, um, uh,
0: I'm not saying everybody has that philosophy. <laughs> I'm saying <it's-
3: laughs> I know. I I'm just saying that in Shadowrun's case, it's well, we picked the most common die because where else are you gonna get hundred and seventeen d6? <laughs>
1: <laughs> to be fair, it's actually uh, if you're talking about dice you could buy in bulk, d10s are actually easier in a lot of cases. But that's beside the point. Hmm. But actually, I don't think that's entirely true because I bet I bet you can buy like thirty-six packs of cheap d6s. So never mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For like four, four dollars, four or five bucks.
2: Uh, anyway, beside the point. So, uh, just to, to continue on this, with mm-hmm. uh, Catrice, Rob and I, we had the flexibility, I guess, of building our system from the ground up. Kavor, mm-hmm. how do you find working within, like, uh, usually powered by the Apocalypse of Forged in the Dark systems and how oh, like, uh... those dice help you to play your story?
1: Uh... Uh, I just I like the I like the bell curve that d6s give. I don't know for two, the two D6 gives. I don't know what more to say. I don't really think hmm. about it too hard. Okay. Why I, don't you I like guess a you don't D6 really
3: have curve? to worry about it.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's about it. Uh, like I hmm. could if I really wanted to, but I don't. It, like I understand that there's value here. I just don't feel like participating. <laughs> I guess
0: i thought you said you had something to say all
1: right i I did have something to say and you covered it about (laughs) ten minutes ago interrupt god
0: damn it all right but why
4: not
1: the 3d6 uh the 3d6 curve is just fine it's just it makes the numbers weird and i don't like spending time teaching people things that's it also those are good reasons Mm
3: If you already have, everybody already knows how to use the powered by the apocalypse system. You can dump them in a new game, and you don't have to teach it to them. That's true. You don't yeah, have it's... to worry about building it either.
1: Okay. And so I, I, said awesome, I, say, I said I would say. I said it's I would novel. say stuff, so I guess I'll say stuff. Okay. Yes. Oh boy. Okay. So. Uh, yeah, I don't actually usually participate in this uh, because I I have a system I like and it works, and I don't generally don't want to think about it too hard. Uh, it's, it's, I, I generally don't consider it a good, valid good use of my time. That doesn't mean it can't be. Uh, I will say that uh, large dice pools are there's some value in like just the sheer you feel powerful when you have to when you have to uh, like get out <laughs> six dice because you are just that good <laughs> uh and things like that actually has significant meaning and uh well i wasn't super into it i can understand people who have a lot of sentimentality about that type of thing and i don't I'm like this is because i started with world of darkness is why i was using a large dice pool as an example <laughs> but also uh-huh. but but also, um, just generally, uh, the more gr- uh, the more granular the dice is, the more, like, how should I put it, the less meaningful it feels, like, the more it's like, okay, this is, but, the, okay, sorry, that's not the best way to price it. Okay, so, if a dice is... Is really- there
3: a difference between 93 and a 91 on your dice roll?
1: Yeah, no, the, I was getting something different. The more granular things are, the more the dice are just, well, they make up more of what's actually relevant. They also feel like the dice, how should I phrase it? The dice sides, oh God, I'm not saying this right. So I'm going to go from the other way. If the dice are very small, there's not a lot of granularity. So there's not a lot of difference, but it means that every, but every point feels like it's significant and you there's a lot more look at them and witness this mm-hmm. and like you start attaching a lot more dumb meaning to them whereas uh as you get it as you get use larger more granular pools and dice it appear it starts to feel more like how should i phrase this it starts to feel more pseudo precise and like like it has the false impression of precision if that makes sense mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that and if you want something that feels precise, uh, D100s are very good because percentage is something that people understand as something that is mathematical, despite the fact that that is actually bullshit.
4: And
3: also... <laughs> I think they
1: understand it. That's good enough. Yep. Also, unfortunately,
3: if you have a D100 and it's not percentage-based, it
1: confuses people. Yes, <laughs> yes, that's true. That is very true. Uh, using D100 as a modifier is the path of madness. I will say. Yeah, yeah. If, that's if your how character our sheet, it. Yep. yep. If your okay. character sheet requires you to you require, well, let me put it this way: if D100 is your modifier, that means your stats have to at least be in the fifties. that is a path to madness. I don't care what you said. I don't care what you think. <laughs> yeah, that's how Qualcomm does it.
3: I do like that about Anima, but <laughs> yeah, it's like it is really awkward when you have stats that get absurdly high.
1: Yep. Uh-huh. Yeah. Hey, uh If you want me to keep talking, I can. Uh okay, sure, I can okay. So, other yeah, things... Uh, we already talked about D6s or commonality. Uh, okay. So, God, what was I going to talk about? Exploding dice pools. Oh, God. <laughs> exploding exploding dice pools are... Uh, I have opinions on those, actually. Exploding dice pools are, are very... Savage Worlds is pro- probably has my least as ba- dice mechanics that are for me personally have the actual worst feel. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> I, the, it feels like no, It feels like nothing. That ma- it feels like. Uh, how do I phrase this? Feels like nothing matters, and and, and the point and the points are made up, and gridlock is too common. Hmm. But this. <laughs> That's, I, that's I would agree with like basic true, Savage how, Worlds,
0: but like Rifts, Savage Rifts is the opposite of that. It's it's just zany because you have so you have it. It works better.
1: Like what, I don't Savage know what Worlds the difference in mechanics is because Savage Worlds is you roll is you you basically get dice size dice size as mm-hmm. your confidence, but the dice explode on the highest number no matter what.
0: Yeah, it's it. That's the same, but you're generally rolling an extra dice. It, so, like, the, the, there's like mega stuff. So everything does like mega damage, and the, 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 it's basically just savage rolls, but amped up a, a lot.
1: I feel, I feel and like it amping it up would feels make better. it make it feel better. Yeah, but I've, I, I yeah. also like don't like the. Oh, uh, you're just basically waiting. Your competence is entirely arbitrary. And the weight, and the, and because of how my brain was trained by card games, I like, I associate small numbers with power. <laughs> Moving on.
0: <laughs> yeah. I no, I, do I, I, I think that the retooling worked. So, yeah. I
3: don't want to make one quick comment that mm-hmm. this is more going to show up probably whenever we get around to doing the Canty uh, Patterns thing, but. The thing about um, what Kavoir had mentioned about dice where the highest number always explodes. That's basically kind of an unclear optimization. It feels weird. Like if you get the chance to increase your die size, you're reducing your critical hit chance, basically. But you're increasing your chances of just... Rolling high normally, right. which yeah. is kind of awkward because it's both going up and down at the same time.
1: Yeah, uh, the, yeah, it's really weird. Uh, that's, that's all I have. Yeah, it, it, that's exactly why it feels weird and silly. Especially since you can still roll a two on a d12. There's nothing stopping you. Yeah. No. Just just, no, a, just ask just ask my dog the dog enemies I was running. They were very good at rolling the twos on D12s. <laughs> well,
0: I mean... <laughs> that's that's your fault, man.
1: I'm cursed with dice. That's the actual reason why I roll PBTA. Uh, so I don't have to roll dice so my cursed dice look doesn't apply.
4: <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. There are some guys I know for whom that's a, that would be a real advantage.
1: Yeah, yeah. For the record, that's uh, actually true. Please don't quote me on that. So, <laughs> I was recently a player in a thing, and I had insane fire dice that never failed anything. Um, and it was kind of dumb. Huh? do so <laughs> in the what? sense
0: that, Like that—that that it was a game that was like, in some sense, powered by failure, or and
1: like no, it was just. Work? It was just like, i I I'm gonna do this thing that I have this, the second lowest possible stat in. Oh, I succeeded again. Okay,
4: that
1: kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, okay, I was actually trying to fail that roll. Uh, I, I guess I'll just roll with it. Uh, anyway, yeah, no, I don't know what more to say.
3: <laughs> uh, actually, there is something I'd like to segue a little bit over to mm-hmm. which is still it's that what we were saying earlier about like um people not really tending to design their their dice and such for these immersion properties it's not entirely true because we do know that there's a few that people do actually intentionally design their dice around it's not quite the same as like a lot of what we've been discussing but things like we know that people in general like the feel of roll over rather than roll under for example like if you get a uh a very low number And this is a good thing it just doesn't have quite the same sensation to it as rolling a really high number i don't know entirely what it is it's just even though you are consciously aware that rolling a low number is good oh i got a three out Mm of 100 this is amazing it just doesn't have the same feel to it as you know a 98 out of Mm -hmm. 100 right even though they're they're the equivalent it's exactly the same value but it's like one of these is exciting one of them is like less so
0: yeah i i hear i hear you it. it's the kind of thing where it's like there, there there's some qualia that's not really that's kind of hard to nail down about like what it is how humans attach value to certain propositions mm-hmm. that are I'm not going to, I'm not going to go so far as to say they're universal, but they're, they're so widely recognized by people that they may as well be universal. Um, yeah. and, and it's like, it's the, the, you know, the idea of in a game, bigger numbers, good. And it's really hard. You know, it's, it's, it's counterintuitive to, to not do that in, on some level. Right. You know, when, when somebody, I was first trying to, um, Shit! what was my first encounter with a d100 system uh i don't remember but like it was it was explained to me as limbo like you're trying to limbo under the number right and that was that that went in and i was like oh okay that makes sense right so you're trying to be like how low can you go you're trying to limbo under like a barrier and and i it didn't like from the point of view of that representing some fiction in the game that made no sense <laughs> this is like i'm trying to build well i don't even remember what i was trying to do i was trying to build a thing and it's like how do i limbo under building a thing it seems like right it seems like way more sense to like i'm putting a thing together it gets bigger as i complete exactly. it exactly bigger better yeah. higher number equals bigger uh right and then lower number equals how, you it, know, what, what's, yeah, the, what's it, the construction in the brain that that made sense to you as a exactly. design thing?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's also just the yeah. perception of it. Like, is it is it that the skill level, the number that you're trying to beat or roll under is a representation of yourself? Whereas in games that are roll over, it's usually that the skill number that you're trying to beat is mm-hmm. the world around you, that this is sort of the the level of uh, complexity or, or chaos of this this task that you're trying to accomplish. Right. So I think the the different mental perception that you might have about it changes what the, I don't know, why you would design around a certain idea or philosophy. I,
4: you I know,
3: I'm actually going to posit a hypothesis on that for why people might think that. I think just the idea of numbers being higher, being good, I think it may actually just come down to The concept of, we have a really hard time as humans just grasping concepts like infinity or zero. So as you decrease in a number, it gets to a point that eventually you can't go any lower. And that kind of I think that kind of limitation actually bothers people because there's no limit to how high a number can get. So you can always get a higher number. You can always get bigger. You can always get better. But if you're going down, there's a hard limit that this is the best you can ever possibly get. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that. The human psyche is just inherently struggling to try to grasp the concept that there is an upper limit that can never be surpassed. Or a lower limit in this case. Like, if you you roll a 1 on your die, that's as low as it will ever go. You can never get lower than that. You can't keep reducing it further in a way that people can comprehend. Like... If you get a minus six on your die roll, what does that even mean?
2: Yeah. Right. And, and that's why I think there's issues with stuff like Thaco when it went to the negatives, because it was just like you had to do this weird mental math of trying to figure out, OK, so your AC is negative, or my Thaco is negative, so how do I?
0: You subtract AC from your Thaco yeah. and, and roll over that.
3: Right. Yeah. Except that's even more weird because you're subtracting from something that's a negative.
0: Right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Listen, man. I don't. I mean, I I am. There's a reason how that that made sense. I'm I'm puzzled as to how that made sense initially. Like that that is something that only an insurance guy could. (laughs) Like that's that's so fucking weird yeah like so i mean <laughs> so it, okay, so i was reading about how 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 they got it right and it was like they it was armor class derived from a naval battle game where it was yeah. like the armor class of a ship and it was generally like you shrugged off a cannon blow or you didn't essentially and so that the idea for the subtraction was like oh armor makes you harder to hit you should subtract it from your from your target number Mm -hmm. and your target number is what's visible to you right so you know what zero is you don't know exactly what their armor class is so the gm's subtracting it you're rolling and you tell the gm my my thaco is let's say zero right now and I rolled a 13. And so the GM knows to subtract the armor class of two. Wait a second.
3: Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's <laughs> weird. if you have not been using Faco it for a while, be,
0: it it's used hard. to be it used to be that the GM had to do the calculus because you weren't supposed to know as the player what the armor class of something was until you until you could zero in on it. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. it was up to the G. I it would, I believe Thacko was to help out the GM side, the, basically like the server side math for the client side right. player, <laughs> you know, if you want to think of it like that, because the idea was there was a bigger veil of ignorance than we even consider normal today, you know, like yeah. in, in an information age where you can like, yeah, I have the monster manual in my fucking pocket. Like none of that shit's secret like it's just assumed that you you know the monster's AC be- before you attack because you're trying to roll and beat it and it used to be that the 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 experience they were trying to create with the dice was this mystery you know it was like oh i don't know how hot like you know i i can see it's wearing a shield and it's wearing leather armor um so i know it's AC what is it it started at 10 And then leather armor and a shield, I think, was seven. And so uh, that sounds about right. Anyway, and then you would know, like, oh, I believe it's seven. And then you would roll and you would miss. And you'd be like, oh, it's got, like, natural armor or something like that. And you would deduce something about the monster from the dice roll. That was, I believe this was how it was intended Hmm. from what i've heard and stories i've, I've heard from people and, and interviews and, and all this hmm. stuff just the the flow of stories about people making up stories <laughs> such a well, yeah. meta the level thing, is... thing to be <laughs> in but it's it, 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 yeah it, but it's this interesting
3: this meta concept was something that they were aiming for so this was designed intentionally that was yeah With the idea, it, it probably was, but it was designed intentionally with the concept that you were controlling what information they had, and they were learning things on a meta level based on the die rolls. Like, the characters wouldn't know this. That oh, well, I rolled a 13, and a 13 should have hit mm-hmm. if they have an armor class 7, but they're not. So right. I know that they're either enchanted or they have some other benefit on them.
0: Well, the GM at that point was supposed to narrate the difference in some way. Like it glances, it, it, it mm-hmm. fails to penetrate the hide or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. And then you know, oh, it's it, it's 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 got some sort of thick armor or something like that or or it glances off a a spell or something that was supposed to be there you know there was supposed to be more uh, there was supposed to be a lot of gm side description you know it it was imperative for players like in in dungeon crawling stuff to like ask a lot of questions and for the gm to be as descriptive as possible
4: yeah that's
3: that is definitely a different play style than a lot of games today though Mm-hmm. yeah there are what there are sorry,
2: that's okay. I was gonna go off from a different topic, so keep keep going
3: um the only other thing I was gonna say is slightly tangential is just that there are other things compared to like you know the rolling under that people prefer that like you know rolling high is good. We know that. There's a very limited range of success for percentage-based. It's roughly between 66 and 75%. If you go below a 66% chance or so to roll for a chance to succeed, people tend to view it as like a flip of the coin. It's like, well, it's only a 60% chance to succeed. I may as well just flip a die and it doesn't matter. I do not have a good chance to succeed even though that's actually above average
1: mm-hmm.
3: uh if you go over almost <laughs> yeah, yeah but but the human brain doesn't translate it that way usually some people do but most of them don't same thing if you get well not same thing but a different issue is if you have over a 75 percent chance to succeed on average the brain interprets it as well that's just a guaranteed hit like an mm-hmm. 85% success chance it's like how did i miss Correct. like the new ex- new xcom came yeah. out just now and like one of the first comments that i heard about it was like well obviously this isn't a real xcom game because she actually managed to hit the target in point blank range mm-hmm. <laughs>
2: Well, that's it's it's really interesting cuz like that's exactly what happens is that people get frustrated with XCOM cuz it's like 97% chance like oh I got this you click it and you miss and you're like this is bullshit this game sucks yeah, exactly. yeah. <laughs> or in fallout um, right when you're playing fallout right, and you're like 75 yeah, yeah. and it's like miss and
0: you're like what the fuck
2: yeah yeah exactly and i yeah. think it's because everyone wants to feel like they're beating the odds that they're they're always like on top of whatever it is that they're, they're challenging themselves to do. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and the percentage is just an indication of like, I can beat 95%. I'm like above probability. Um, And it's, I don't know, this weird psychology, but I, I, I agree. I think that like 66% is probably a good target for like, this is a fair test. Like you will succeed, you might fail but this is where people will feel good about their successes, because they're like, yes, I beat the odds. Anyway. Um, on on a related really note... It does feel like... Sorry. No, go ahead.
3: No, I was just going to say, it really does feel like bullshit when you have, like, I need to get a four on a one day. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. And it's like, there's one, two, and three. That's that's actually three potential answers which do not count as four or higher yeah and yet when you roll one of those it's like
4: this is such bullshit yeah. <laughs> right, exactly
0: yeah but it's really anyway, funny when it happens it to is. the gm yeah. <laughs> that shit is hilarious there i there was one moment when we were playing where <clears throat> we were fighting a battle and we we're d- d- like tapped out on everything and the wizard, we know, is the evil wizard is going to cast something, a spell. And so our, our wizard is like, okay, I'm ready to interrupt his cast, you know, make him fail a concentration check. And he's like, I, the only thing I have is Ray of Frost. It's <laughs> 1d3. And he did it. And he did, you know, two damage or one damage or something like that. And the wizard rolled a one on concentration and had 13 ranks in concentration and failed it. And it was just no. like, you're like... <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was like this is not going to work it worked that's amazing and those how do we uh, grab that and like yeah. just inject it where exactly where we want it's it's almost impossible because that happened at exactly the right moment right like because that yeah, was like
1: you, the only way to have that happen is to intentionally design things badly is there's like could tell. <laughs>
2: Yeah, Exactly, because no, no, in can... order for that to be memorable, you need 19 other experiences where you didn't roll that, and you're like, yeah. uh, it didn't work. Forget it. Like, we tried, but that's fine. Oh, but, but that roll, one time know, it stands we're, out. We're, one word did work more. Right. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
3: yeah, and that's unfortunately part of critical hits and such being rare, because if it's rare, then it does stand out. But the way a lot of games are built is that they intentionally space out the fun like it's intentionally not fun for large portions of the gameplay because then when you do have fun it stands out that much more as oh that was Mm. this awesome moment where i actually had fun what about the rest of the three hours you were playing i don't really remember it it's like mm-hmm. so you wasted three hours for fifteen seconds of gameplay. <laughs>
4: mm-hmm.
3: The thing is, though, that is actually intentional. They games are built to work that way. That is how yeah. they build like uh, phone games. Like if you're playing a phone game, they intentionally design them explicitly so that you will have those little occasional. Uh, dopamine rushes but it's very spaced out so that most of the time you're very slightly annoyed you're not really having fun you're not supposed to have fun if you're having fun the whole time you will not purchase like their their special currency or their uh the extra things to get rid of the mild annoyances so they actually want you in a state of being slightly irritated the whole time Hilarious. sorry we no, have it's... sidetracked off of your comment like 20 times oh,
2: that's Please okay. go, Mark. um today <laughs> i was going to i was going to build on what you were saying about the xcom percentages cuz what uh, what came to mind for me when we were first like discussing this before even recording it was um, i had seen the video trailer for the new baldurs gate video game um, and in it what they do is that they take the d20 system from DD but they simplify the interface to the user where you see a percentage of success. So they already do the math for what it means when you have advantage and you're rolling 2d20 and you take the highest, they do all the math of what the AC of your opponent is versus what you're rolling to hit. And they just present it as like, you have an 85% chance to hit. And I thought that that was really interesting because they're taking the mechanical tool that is D&D and they're simplifying it. And I wonder how much of that changes the perception of what the game mechanic is. Um, And I don't know that it's a bad thing because of the medium where it's so much easier for someone to be like 83% and I can kind of get an idea of what that means. And I don't need to know what the mechanics are underneath it. I can be immersed in this cinematic experience of the game. or how much of it is really taking away from that sort of granularity that you're getting with the D20 system. Um I I don't know. Like there's there is no narrator to say when you roll just below the target number how closely you like your wedge your knife between the the chinks of the armor and you finally find purchase and something like that. I don't know. But there's, there isn't that built into the game as much, so this is the easy way to just simplify and boil things down.
3: There's one thing that you mentioned that... Oh, God, it reminded me of something I absolutely hate, and it doesn't show up in these kinds of games so much. It's mostly a video game thing, but it is based on these kinds of roles, which is when they give you fake roles that don't matter in a sense that it's very visual like for example a lot of games will have a reward system where it's like here are three potential things you can choose from like three cards that you can pick from but they're all face down when you pick the card it flips all of them over and okay here's what you got and here's what you didn't win Right. And I hate that sensation so much. I know exactly why they do it, because it's not to give you a, a positive psychological benefit. Like, there's no reason to show you the other cards or well, whatever I mean, you okay, didn't win, except, except they are specifically showing you so that you know that I did not win this. And I could have won it, so I want to play again, so that I have mm. another chance at rolling for it. Yeah, But it's really bullshit, because you could not have made any educated decision. It's like, it doesn't matter what you would have picked on the cards. You can't see what they are before you're making the decision. It's not an educated decision. It's going in blindfolded. It doesn't matter what you picked. Like you know, could always so, pick yeah. the left one. Every single time, pick the left one, doesn't matter. Yeah. Pick the mm-hmm. center one every time, doesn't matter. You have no choice. You have no impact on the outcome. You don't even know that the outcome is actually being determined before you pick it. It could actually be generated as you make the de- the decision in a video game and it only determines what underneath the cards when you click on it
2: it's it's a small way of injecting roulette or not roulette slots into the games yeah where you have really no real input into what's going to happen on the other side it's just but it feels like you do but when you hit you feel that rush you feel like yeah i got the one i wanted out of these three like i I did it um or when you miss you're like maybe next time i can do it and that's that's the tactic of like getting people to keep playing. Uh,
3: Yeah, it's really bad though because when you think about the odds there, there's always a better chance that you won't get what you wanted Mm -hmm. because you see two cards that you didn't get but only one that you did get. So there's always a 66% chance, 66.6, repeating whatever, that you're not going to get the one you wanted Mm -hmm. so you're more likely to want to play again and it's like Mm -hmm. again this is something that phone games do a lot and oh the psychology behind it is just so delicious like it is pure evil (laughs) i had to work (sighs) on these things before i i feel so dirty from doing
0: (laughs) well i'm sorry that you (laughs) sullied yourself (laughs) (laughs)
2: Yeah, <laughs> but cleanse your mind with tabletop games now yeah and <laughs> so your penance and, and being poor it is <laughs> i
3: actually do view this as paying penance for my
1: previous <laughs> 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 okay
2: Catrice. i Anyway. I think we pretty well covered this topic i don't yeah Yeah, we could probably
1: go on about more dumb bullshit for another three hours. But we we
0: we talked about I just told somebody on Twitter we're live.
3: (laughs) Oh well. Yeah, by the way, click. They get in here, click. Click. Bye. I mean we could wait for them to get in and then do the introduction because we skipped over it. And, we skipped skip the
1: introduction and uh... yeah, okay. Let's do let's let's do that. Okay, hi, I'm Kev Moore. let Catrice, that just talked. She could talk more. Hi, now. hi. We also have Mark here.
2: Hello, I'm Mark. That guy.
1: And, <laughs> and Rob is the one that you see on the screen. I think. Uh, you might see, you no, might, I see Mark, might I see Mark, Mark too. Okay, also see Mark. Uh, the two bears that are in the chat are just our recording device. Don't worry about them.
3: Yes, the recording right. bot and the backup bot, because it sometimes dies. Yeah, so, like, yeah. One,
0: in, one, in six, one in six recordings mm-hmm. just,
3: like, goes... So, sideways. 86 minutes in, we do the introduction
0: that's correct what are we talking about know. this episode everybody hey everybody welcome to another episode of flail forward friday night how y'all doing out there hope you're staying safe and healthy and all the good be things fair,
1: if rob had the screen a bit lower they could see who was talking just by
0: <laughs> oh did i
1: i thought that was oh that's not visible I yep well, you can see me and Catrice, so let's go with the important oh, part. There we go.
4: It's fine. Uh.
0: <laughs> we have with us oh. tonight Mark. Hello, Mark. Hello.
2: Hello. Hello. Hi, Rob.
0: Hi. Hi, Catrice. Catrice
1: is with us tonight.
2: Hi.
1: Yay. <laughs> and Kevwar is with us tonight. Hey, Cavoie. I ju- I think I just did this, but okay. W- whatever. Mm-hmm.
0: No, we're doing, we're Uh, doing extras just, just cause I'm, you know, I'm not editing this either, so.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be an introduction. Two introductions back to back at the end of the episode. Okay, (laughs) good. Yeah, nice. (laughs) This is the true dumpster fire.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it really is evidence that we're just here for us. Should we we just skip right to the, right to the intro too? Yeah, let's just go to the outro. All right, everybody. Thanks for another for for listening to another episode of Flail Forward for uh, for Mark, Catrice, Cavoir, and myself, Rob. Good night, because it's always <laughs> night where you are. This
3: Yay. is gonna confuse someone perfect. That's just just. Are we
0: out? No, we're not. I haven't stopped the stream. Someone this, is going to this watch true. this
3: like a year yeah. from now and be like, "What?" No one's shit? watching this ever. <laughs> <laughs> the poor, the
2: poor one person who's like, "What's this flow forward thing?" And just signs on to Twitch yeah. and is like, "What the fuck is happening?" It's just, Who are you the Intro yeah. and then conclusion.
4: <laughs> Why is it
2: just four people that
0: have never released anything talking about game design?
4: What
0: the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> why would we bother like dude, what the fuck <laughs> are you even doing it's like yeah no we're mm, this is just for us really if you're listening that's your yep. fault
1: yeah. yeah yeah well sorry I mean, some people might get some value out of this, I this hope so.
4: Don't
1: it I is hope so.
4: recording yeah
0: just you know if they get value out of this great i'm happy for that that's why we're doing it yeah, and just just to exactly. say if, if if we say something smart once it's uh <laughs>
2: I want it so, recorded. Somebody else can use it. Yeah, okay, but before we leave,
3: thing. I I was gonna say at one point
2: mm-hmm.
3: light is good, dark is evil. Because that's another thing that we Oh just yes, tend I to have yes. a stereotypical preference for no apparent reason.
0: Hmm. That's not um, no apparent reason. It's like night used to be this thing where some of us wouldn't wake up. So like, <laughs> yeah, was, you know, the, the, the things that ate us, you know, monkey self, whatever our genetic memory is of things with claws and shit in the night. I'm pretty sure that's where that, the that being scared of the dark and then personifying that in, uh, you know, human evil came out from, I don't think it's an accident that that's. Why we do that?
3: No, I don't think it's an accident. Yeah. It's just like pretty much any of these. If there's an mm-hmm. ingrained standard thing, like oh yeah, more is better, there must be a reason for it. It's just I don't know what it is for all of them.
0: I I, I would equate the more with better with just general security. Like if you have more resources, then you can just feel more generally secure. I think that's probably Probably. I don't know. I mean, it's it's probably a way more complicated answer than that. That's incredibly reductionist, but it's probably somewhere around that ballpark.
3: is going to be reductionist.
0: That's a good point. (laughs) It's a sentence. It has to be reductionist. (laughs) Uh,
3: No matter what we do, it's going to be somewhat reductionist. But yeah, I don't know. It's like a lot of these things. Like, there's got to be psychological reasons for why people think a certain way. And everything in the game that you build is going to be based on player psychology to some degree. Like, the very nature of fun is based on what's Mm -hmm. psychologically beneficial to a player. Like, you want to make your players have fun in our games because it's not like a phone game where you're trying to milk them.
0: Right. You want you, engagement is what we're after, not their, their continual uh, advertising eyeballs or clicks or, you know, revenue stream. Yeah. I, yeah. I hear you. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: I, think, I think D&D might have accidentally hit on the idea of not being fun all the time. Like, it's almost a gatekeeper so that it tries to prevent you from having fun most of the time. Because those few times that you do have fun, they really stand out. Like, and then I rolled a natural 20. Right. So many DD stories, basically, it's like that's the entire story. It's like everything was going to shit. And then I rolled a natural 20 and everything was saved.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I I know that that is a common feature of I I have those stories myself for sure. Uh,
3: I have always hated those stories. I have hated (laughs) them so much. (laughs) They bug the shit out of me. They're like, it's like (laughs) You didn't do anything. You didn't come up with like some brilliant plan. It's not like, oh, I I came up with this remarkable bullshit story that I told somebody in the game, and it's mm-hmm. like they totally fell for it. It's like no, I just I rolled a die and it landed on a twenty, and it's like
0: yeah, but the, it's 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 when mm-hmm. it when it happens. It's it's the yeah. very like you know the the times when it's when you act like okay so it's one of one of the star wars games i played in the 20 star wars games we had uh, there was a guy in our group who who consistently couldn't roll for shit let's just call him derek for the sake of argument that's his real name but let's just call him that (laughs)
1: Um, we're still recording uh, by the way Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways, we did so, so yeah Derek we, can't we roll. did
3: two Derek... intros and outro and kept going and so so,
0: come back so, so, so Derek can't roll for shit, and uh <laughs> and this became a part of our table's metacognition in in that, so at one point we were fighting, we were like, okay, we're in this kind of a like a cutscene thing or a roleplaying, and and the the recurring villain of the campaigns there and derek's like i get a shot off and and our gm was like that's yeah, fine and was like natural twenty, natural 20 natural 20. it was like three natural 20s in a row and he, and, and andrew was like well that changes some things i gotta do <laughs> <laughs> but it was the the moment of it wasn't just three natural 20s in a row and he killed the monster it was like He killed the supposed recurring villain of the entire campaign in her debut and you know the gm had to like redo a lot of i mean not obviously (laughs) he didn't redo the whole thing he probably reskinned some stuff like because i right that's as gms that's what we do we we don't we're not gonna that would be really
3: plan too far ahead because no plan will survive contact with the enemy which is your players In that sense, D D viewing its players as the enemy may not have been incorrect.
0: Uh yeah, I guess in, in, in some sense. I mean it is it is part of that sort of Yeah. Does that maybe we should talk about that those those differentials and dynamic at some point where it's like the I mean we have talked about it before like the impartial referee versus the cheerleader GM versus the mm-hmm. um
3: the I'm trust,
0: to the, 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 the trust, but like I will let you fail if you fuck up, GM. You know, right? Uh,
3: That's actually where I try to go.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The ideal, the ideal, yeah, is somebody who wants to see the the players in their most the player characters in the most interesting states, and that doesn't mean be nice to them. Nice. Right. <laughs> That's a good point sometimes it does sometimes it does Like not but, always y- yes the important bit is that not always yeah. yeah yeah it should be a it should be a roller coaster
0: not a not a flat well,
1: mm-hmm.
0: plane you know ups and downs I think are pretty integral yep. anyway that's our episode about dice stuff tune in next week when we also won't know the topic <laughs> and-
4: <laughs> And we'll
0: also start an hour late. And also start an hour late. And uh, and we'll probably have another technical difficulty. Although this streaming, the video through Discord has made things a lot easier. That's nice. Yes, Thank because you Discord. you're not
3: editing it anymore?
0: Yeah, and also because I'm not editing it anymore. Which I also failed to actually put up the recordings, but I'll I'll, I'll get there. <laughs> so have I. I've been busy, been dude. It's been so crazy. Yeah.
4: Yeah, it's been... Yeah. I I I don't blame you. Yeah. I don't blame you at all. Uh